Now listen, is anybody here for the first time? If you are, I'm going to give you my book. Now you're thinking, I don't want your book, but no, I'm going to give it to you. Is anyone here for the first time? Come on, humble yourself. Are you here for the first time? Young person, anybody? Then you come up here. Second time works. You get my book. Come up here. You got to come up here or you can send one of the young people, but you come. Come on, give her a hand. Second time. And she, she heard Pastor Paul, so she came back. She's going to hear me, so you pray for her, okay? What's your name? Ruthie? You are awesome. I have a mom spiritual in my life named Ruthie. Give her a hand one more time, would you? It's awesome. And Ruthie, I'll, I'll put your name in there with that marker. I didn't know who I was going to give it to, so it's yours. Now, listen, I have about six books left. I'm not here to sell them, so here's the deal. If you want one today um, and don't have the money, then you come to me and I'm going to give it to you. If you do, there's, a, there's a, a bucket back there, whatever. Don't worry. But God is so good. Now, when I pulled in today, I go, where should I park? Now, I usually park in the second row. I was just asking the Holy Spirit, where should I park? And no, there were some workers here, but not many cars. And so I saw the sign, S-R-O. You know what that means? I don't know. But I said, Holy Spirit, what, does that, what do those letters mean for me and golf side today? And I promise you, not out loud, but he spoke in my spirit. Standing room only for Easter and Mother's Day. Come on, people, put your hands together. And that, no, that was very, like a golf clap. Come on. Standing room only to reach people for Christ on Easter and Mother's Day. Unbelievable. Now listen. The Holy Spirit spoke that in my spirit. Because there are so many broken people in this community. There's so many hurting people, hurting marriages, young people that haven't found their way to Christ. These three set up front for me today because they know Jesus. Give it up for these three kids up here. I love them. It's Gary and Janine's kid. Now, I'm not off track. You cannot count that against my preaching time right there. But I want to pour my heart out to you today. This is a new message. I'm not bragging on that. I could have pulled something out. I preached for 18 years in Phoenix. But Jay Harvey, who came to this church recently, and I think two or three men went to prison ministry and started a church. It's called A Hard One, A Hard Place to Be. That's the name of the prison right near you. And he told me, Robin, I am so proud of this. They'll be for my ever, they'll forever be my brothers. Are any of you in this service today, just raise your hand, that went to that prison? Anybody? Am I missing a hand? Where? Look at me. Was it amazing? Stand up right where you are. Would you tell this crowd how amazing it was? I'm so proud of giving him a hand, man. This is awesome. Now, I didn't do that to lift him up. I did that because Jesus said, would you visit me in prison? And he listened. He didn't say go to prison and preach. No, that's not what the verse says. The verse doesn't say go there and do your deal, do your worship team. No, what he said is go visit me. And we've been doing that now and have planted 
38 churches through Jay Harvey and men like this in prisons. Come on, give God praise. Okay. Now, Jay Harvey and I worked on this message. I give him total credit for the catchphrase. But I want, I want to open with a verse because this is what the message is all about. No one should ever say that I'm tempted by God. That's in James 1.13. Because God cannot be tempted by evil or by the wrong. He will never tempt you. And then through God's word, we are told when the Apostle Paul writes, who've been tempted many times, been tempted by evil, and he, he killed Christians. And then on the Damascus Road, he fell on his face. And then he wrote this for everybody here today. You know what it says? No one is tempted by something. Let's read it. No, you got the wrong verse. Help me with 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Let me turn around to see it bigger. <laughs> no temptation is overtaking you except what is common to all. Don't even say mankind. That's everybody. To all, men and women. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And we left out the last part of that, but you're going to put it up now. He will provide a way of escape so you can endure it. Whatever that, whatever that temptation is. But he doesn't, God doesn't tempt us. Satan does. And he always uses the same language. Another verse written for us is, when we're tempted, it's because of the Lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And that has taken all of us down. Don't sit there. You know, I always say, if you knew the sin in my life, you wouldn't talk to me. Look at you righteous people. If I knew the sin in your life, I wouldn't even preach today. Come on. <laughs> Listen, we're all broken. No temptation has come. Not only that it's come, but that we've fallen to. And it's always from Satan. It started in the garden with Adam and Eve. The serpent came and tempted them. They had everything, everything God provided, except one, the knowledge of good and evil. And they, and they failed the test. But God didn't tempt them. Satan did. After Jesus was baptized, he came out of the water. You know what God said? The Holy Spirit said out loud to him, you are my son whom I love and I'm well pleased. Isn't that powerful? When you came to Jesus, and if you've not been baptized, be baptized, be baptized. But even before you're baptized, you know what he said to you? You're my son, you're my daughter, you're my kid. And I love you. And I'm well pleased. And you know what we all think? He can't be pleased with me. I'm too broken. He can't be pleased with me. I'm the chief of sinners. The apostle Paul said he's the chief of sinners. And God said to him, I'm going to use you to plant churches all over. You know what we're celebrating today? It's a huge celebration. And then we're going to get right back to how God provides a way of escape. We are celebrating that your pastor met Daniel Gregory. Did you hear me? And I got to meet Daniel and Ashley. And they came to my condo in Sarasota with these three precious boys. 
And they said, we want to plant a church. I said, where? They go, we're going to leave where we are because we don't want to hurt some family and my father. And we're going to ask God to show us. And they made a, a nationwide, they went to five places. And when they got to Houston, Texas, in this community called Sugarland, the Holy Spirit spoke to him. Now, not out loud, in Daniel's spirit. And he called me, he said, I want to tell you where we're going to plant, Sugarland. And at the time, Houston was the fourth largest city in the country. You know why it's number five now? Because my favorite city in the world, Phoenix, Arizona, took over. Come on, people. And he sent Daniel, just like the Apostle Paul, to the most influential areas. That's why God sent Paul and Tia here. Because this is a booming area. Because hundreds and thousands of people don't know what some of us know today. The love of God. That he's pleased with us in the midst of our brokenness and sin and our shame. Jesus went to the cross to remove that. But what will take everybody down, even after you're a believer, is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. After Jesus was baptized, listen to me, he got taken into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. Did you hear that? Not tempted by the Holy Spirit, taken into the wilderness. You know what the wilderness is? Where you live every day. Are you with me? Where you live every day is the wilderness. And the Holy Spirit takes you into your world, your workplace, your family, your friends, the place you work out. The Holy Spirit takes you there. It's a wilderness. They think like the world. We're not down on that. We just know they haven't found what we found. And the Holy Spirit takes us to the wilderness. And guess what happens to all of us? The enemy of our souls, Satan. He comes and he tempts us with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and being proud, the pride of life. My father-in-law came to speak at Mountain Park Church after we had grown to a few thousand people. I said, you preach on anything you want. I couldn't believe how he opened up. He said, look at me, people, all three services. You are beautiful people. In fact, you're the most beautiful group of people I've ever seen. And I looked at the average income for family and double income families and sometimes single income families are over $200,000. He said, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm going to pray over you that God would protect you from the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. And you're beautiful people. Listen, I was in my 30s, so most of the people who came to the church, they were working out every day. These were beautiful families. You are a beautiful church. But listen to what my father-in-law said. The enemy will tempt you, not God. When tempted, you should never say God, because God doesn't tempt you. But the enemy will do what he did to Jesus. You want to know what it was? No one looks for humor in the Bible like me. Come on. So if you don't laugh out loud, I pray for you. You know what the Bible says? Jesus went into the wilderness, and he fasted for 40 days. He'd have nothing to eat for 40 days. You're going, where's the humor to that? The next phrase says, and he was hungry. Oh, really? Of course he was hungry. So what does the enemy do? 
when we hunger for approval, when we hunger for all the things that we think we need, when we hunger for food, what the enemy says to Jesus, turn these stones into bread. And the only way to combat the enemy is to quote scripture. And Jesus did. You will not live by bread alone. And he honored the father. You think Satan's done? Oh, no, no, no. He's never done. So then he takes him to look over all of everything he can see, all the countries, all the cities of, in, his pre, in his eye, in his view. And he says, if you listen to me, I'll give you power over all of this. My father-in-law said, you have wealth, you're good looking, and you have ability to travel. And the enemy will say, I'll give you more than your husband or wife. I'll give you more than your children. And we believe it. And it destroys marriages. It's power. He wants to give you the Holy Spirit power. But the enemy says, I'll give you power. And he quotes scripture again. He always starts with, if you are the son of God. So the third temptation if you are the son of God, then throw yourself off of this height where you see everything. Call the angels. Show them who you are. And everyone will follow you. I watched the chosen when I went to Paul's house this weekend where I stayed. Can you pray for Paul and Tia? They don't have regular TV. Could you pray for them? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And then they asked me, to babysit their dogs. And I love that. So all I could do is watch The Chosen. It changed, it changed me again. Because throw yourself off, call the angels. And you know who followed Jesus, Jesus the most? Come on, women, rise up. You did. Men have a big problem. Come on, people. Men are too proud. They won't humble themselves. Do you know why you're going to reach out for Easter? And you're going to mainly reach out and give a message that women might respond to? Because women decide everything. Come on, women, am I right? They decide where you're going to school. They decide the house you're going to buy. I didn't say the husband didn't get to pay for it. Come on. <laughs> women decide where you shop. I'm, I'm just saying. Bill Gaither told me, you know why you're going to raise up thousands, Robin? Because he loved me. I'd only preach six times. I wouldn't raise up thousands because of anything I have. I was raised in a trailer. I had nothing. He said, you're going to raise up thousands because you believe what Jesus said. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. The women will rise up and lead right alongside the men. I don't understand churches. Can I have a moment? Don't walk out on me. I don't understand churches that don't believe women should lead. I don't even understand them. Because I'm 69, I quit arguing with them. Listen to me. Because I'm right and they're wrong. Come on. Jesus picked up the scroll in Luke chapter 4, said your sons and daughters will prophesy. Jesus recognized that women, Priscilla preached better than her husband. Come on, people. Someone shout out there. It's okay. Lydia was the person we had to build the church on in Philippi because we couldn't find enough men that loved God. And she said yes. Now, I'm not here to tout 
women over men. I'm here to tell you that the women went to the tomb. Are you with me? The women went to the tomb. I'm getting a little fired up. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I didn't do that the first service. The women followed Jesus. And you know what? He treated them like every man. Do you know what the four second rule is in the 12 steps? Because I've been through the 12 step program eight years in a row. You know what the four second rule is? It's not to look four seconds and kind of lust for four seconds and then look away. No, that's what the Pharisees did. They were called bruised and broken Pharisees because they kept their heads down so they wouldn't look at women. They're sick people. Come on. You know what the four second rule is? Within four seconds, you see an awesome woman and you say, that is a daughter of God. You don't look them up and down. I'm not being pure here. You don't look at them that way. In four seconds, the Holy Spirit will tell you, that's a woman of God. That's my daughter. And women, for you too, you're not above this. When you see a handsome man, you're just lucky I'm not, so you don't have to worry about anything while I preach. But when you see a handsome man, you have four seconds to say, that's a son of God. That's a man of God. So let me make it so you never forget. Richard Foster wrote a book. I'm going to tell you to find online. You probably find it for eight bucks or ten bucks. But you know, it changed Mountain Park Church in Phoenix. It literally changed my life. You know what it's entitled? Money, Sex, and Power. Now, I'm going, to, I'm going to prepare you for this. I asked the congregation in the early service to say it, and they said, money, sex, power. So don't be afraid to say it out loud. Say it with me. Money, sex, and power. That will take you down, and God doesn't tempt you. We get carried away by our own evil desires, and then we, we do an act. It's just a moment. We pick up a magazine. We go online, and then it's just an act, and we say, God, I, I won't do that again. But then we do it again. And then we do it again. And then an act turns into a lifestyle, and a lifestyle turns to death. Remember when Jesus met the woman at the well, and then he met the woman caught in adultery? He said, go and leave your life of sin. It's a lifestyle. He didn't say, go and sin no more. You're going to sin again. He said, leave your life of sin. If you ever prayed the prayer, God, if you forgive me, I won't do it again. Repent of even praying that prayer. Come on, look at me. Don't sit there righteous. God says, don't pray that prayer. He ignores that prayer and he forgives us because he knows we might fall again. And if we don't, all of heaven rejoices. Money, sex, and power. That's what Jesus was tempted with. Turn the bread, the stones into bread. Meet your physical needs. Use your power. But Jesus quoted scripture and said, no. I will only honor the one and true God. And a day is coming. I hope it's come for you. Where every tongue will confess, every knee will bow. And proclaim that Jesus is Lord. Would you say Jesus is Lord? Jesus is Lord. And then I want to tell you one more thing. You can't stay where you are. You can't stay here. 
you can't stay in your sin. You can't stay in your isolation. The Bible says confess your sins one to another. When you confess only to God, you confess to yourself. The Bible says your healing will come if you confess your sin and your brokenness. Some of you don't know me at all. At 38 years old, I sat by the pool just like the man that was a paralytic. I had pastored the church that grew to two to 300. And then half of my board said, we think we can go on without you. There were nine and five said, we want you to stay. Look at me now, if you get help. I wasn't sinning. My mom and dad weren't in my life in a big way. They never came but one time to Phoenix to see what God was doing. My mother, mentally ill, she was in bed for three years. And God said to me, you can't keep sitting by this pool. Remember what he asked that man? Do you want to get well? Well, he asked me that question. And I was like the man by the pool. No one ever helps me. You don't have the parents I have. You don't have the sin that I have. And Jesus asked him a yes and no question, and he never said yes. So you know what Jesus does? He ignores us. Look at me, I'm smiling. He forgave that man. He raised him up. He said, take up your mat and walk. And the man went leaping and running for the first time in 38 years. And he said, take up your mat. You know why he said, take up your mat? Because that's his identity. That's my identity. It's my mom. It's my dad. My brother disappeared for 18 years. We found him in a hospital at 87 pounds. He was HIV positive. And my sister walked in that room, and he swore at her. It was unbelievable use of the F word. And my sister said, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. Because we read, if someone loses their way, you restore them. And she got him the treatment of Magic Johnson, the trio. And my brother is 70 years old and will not die of AIDS. Come on, people, put your hands together. And he is redeemed. And he's living a celibate life. He doesn't know why he's gay. He asked me, Robin, you're the only pastor who's not told me I'm, I'm not going to heaven. You're going to heaven, Rick. You've repented. You, you, you live a celibate life. You know what? God loves you. You're his son. He'll pick me up from the airport on Tuesday, and we'll rejoice again. Now, here's the phrase I don't want you to ever forget. It's from Jay Harvey that took you to that prison. You know what he does when he walks into prisons? This is a recent phrase God gave him. I taught him to look for phrases. He's better than me now. It makes me mad. He's better than me. And he said to me before I came here, you tell those people, you can't stay here where you are. You can't stay here. I want you to say those words with energy. Ready? You can't stay here. You want me to take you through the Bible? Moses, a murderer, who tries to do it his own way, ends up shepherd for 40 years. And God comes and says to him, I need you to deliver my people my way, not your way. And he says, I'm not the one. And God said, Moses, you can't stay here. He came to Abraham. He came to Abraham, 
and said, I'll make you the father of all nations. Look at the stars in the sky. But he's a liar. He's lied about Sarah being his wife. He said she was his sister because the Pharaoh wanted to take his wife. He didn't protect her. Then he lied again. You think he'd get it right the first time? No, he's like us. And God says, you're, you're my son. You can't stay here. You have to go where I tell you. Sometimes it's geographical. Most of the time it's spiritual when he says you can't stay here. Sometimes it's emotional. Sometimes you've been dealt a bad life. You know what he finally says? You can't stay here. He said to Elijah under that tree, Elijah says, I can't just take my life. You know what he said to Elijah? You can't stay here because I'm going to use you. And you're going to raise up Elisha with a double portion. He said to David, who had committed adultery and murdered Bathsheba's husband, David, you can't stay here. And then he proclaimed when David repented that he was a man after God's own heart. Come to the New Testament. He raises up the Apostle Paul, who's a murderer of Christians. He strikes him down on the Damascus Road. And he reveals himself. You know why he says to the Apostle Paul, Saul at the time, you can't stay here. I'm going to change your name and you're going to plant churches. Because of that proclamation, Paul, Ermier, and Tia came here to plant church. And it's you guys are amazing. He called Robin Wood a nobody. If he can use a donkey, he can use me. Come on, people. Read the Bible with humor. And in my brokenness, you know, he said to me, you can't stay here. You can't play the victim any longer. You can't say it's my mom. You have to love her. You have to forgive her. You can't stay in your unforgiveness. If you've not read my book, then just have someone tell you about the eight quarters. We were going great as a church. And then I asked for a vote of confidence. And some people thought, you've taken us this far. You can't take us further. And I thought they were right. And then the chairman of my board said, will you go get counseling? You should be my pastor. You led me to Christ. In fact, all the people that voted for me, the five over the four, I had led them to Christ. And I wept that night. And I turned in my resignation. And you know what God finally said to me when I went to counseling? You can't stay here. He didn't mean the church. He meant my brokenness. He meant my addictions. I'm an adrenaline addict. Have me back. I'll do a whole message on the 12 steps. I was in a 12-step group for eight years. I've been sober of adrenaline where you do everything out of your adrenaline. You preach out of adrenaline. You, you load the washing machine out. Come on, people. No, you mop the floors out of adrenaline. I'm dripping wet when I clean the toilets. Come on, women, be proud of me. But not anymore. Not anymore. I've been sober 20 years. No one's clapping. I've been sober. Jesus Christ. And guess what? I'm not sweating, am I? No, because I'm not preaching on my adrenaline. And it leads you all kinds of dark paths. You eat emotionally. My father repented to me on his deathbed. 
And he said, would you tell your brother who hasn't seen me for 30 years that I'm wrong? Five months later, at the time he repented to me, I was over 240 pounds. My wife, Julia, said to me after five months, I can't believe you're not eating emotionally. You haven't eaten a half gallon of ice cream before going to bed, which you've done my whole marriage. She wasn't mad at me. But when my father repented to me, I quit eating emotionally. My brother lost 40 pounds. He didn't even know why. But when I told him our father repented, he quit eating emotionally. He's going to pick me up in a couple days, and we're going to celebrate that all the way to my house. He's going to go in, and he's, 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 he's on the level of a concert pianist. He's going to play the greatest courses we sang today. He's going to play the greatest hymns. He's going to do it for my father-in-law, who's down in the basement in hospice and probably has one to two months to live. You know what? I've been whispering to him. I sleep down there in a chair. He wakes up at 2 a.m., 4 a.m., and 6 a.m., and he wakes me up. Come on, people, he wakes me up. You know what we talk about? How God delivered him. How God saved him. And it's an honor. It's also an honor to be in Sarasota for two weeks and get sleep. Come on, people. But he can't stay there. He can't stay here on this earth. He knows it. He told me, would you pray for me? I know Jesus, but I need assurance. So I prayed with him every night. I will fly in Tuesday night, and I'll go down and sleep in the basement. It's not a basement. It's a full suite. He has a walkout porch. He has a swing out there that he loves. And I'm going to say, hey, Dad, you can't stay here. It's going to crush us. We love him. You can't stay here. Jay Harvey wrote our closing words today. He said, will you look at that church? I love him so much. I'm going to look at you, my brother. You're his brother for life. In order for God to fulfill your purpose, heal your brokenness, forgive your sin, and use you to do what he asks you to do, you can't stay here. Sometimes it's geographical. Most of the time, it's spiritual and emotional. You can't stay in a victim mode. You can't stay in unforgiveness against someone. God asked me to forgive my mother, and I did. You can't stay in isolation. You can't stay here and expect God to show you anything that is of use and your gifts and your talents. You can't stay here. Mary couldn't stay here. She had to go to the tomb. She had to be near her Redeemer and her Savior. The woman at the well, after he told her all about her life that was broken, how many times she's been married, now she's living with a man. He says, I'm the Savior. He reveals himself. You know what he says to her? She wants to follow him. You can't stay here. you got to go to your city. 
People, hear my voice. He's saying to you today, you got to go to your neighborhood. you got to go to everyone you know and tell them about Easter. You can invite them sooner, but the majority of people, when they're not going to church, will go on Easter. I parked in front of SRO, standing room only, and I claimed it for golf side. I claimed it. Come on, give him praise. The woman caught in adultery. He said, go leave your life of sin. Don't, not go, don't sin anymore. That's a terrible translation. I'm a Greek student. I usually tell people I know a little Greek. He owns a pizza place. Come on. <laughs> but no, I'm a Greek student. Jesus said, you have to leave your life of sin. I'm going to invite the worship team up. I'm going to tell you two more things. I want you to throw up the picture of the sheep, and then we're done. I want you to look at Barak. Have you ever seen Barak? Barak was lost for four years. Look at me, people. Barak was lost for four years, and he was found in deep trouble. You know what happens if you don't shave the wool off a sheep? They get disease, and they die. For years, four years, he didn't have it shaved. And when they found him, they brought him back to his owner, who never quit looking for him, he had 76 pounds of wool. Come on, people. 76 pounds. And they shaved him. Can I ask you two things? How much weight are you carrying? Is it 10 pounds of sin? Is it 20 pounds of broken relationships? Is it 30 pounds of being hurt by your parents? Is it 40 pounds of being hurt by a church? Is it 50 pounds of not loving yourself and forgiving yourself? He's already forgiven you. How many pounds are you carrying today? But none of that's going to go away unless you can say one more phrase. I want you to bow your heads. Bow your heads right now, everybody, every eye closed. And I want you to whisper this phrase. I can't stay here, Jesus. I want you to whisper. I can't stay in my pain. I can't stay in my sin. I can't stay in my brokenness. I can't play the victim any longer. I can't stay, Jesus. I can't stay. You have a brighter path. He who birth the good work in you will bring it to completion. Keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. If you whispered, I can't stay here, would you raise your hand? Just raise your hand if you whispered it. God is doing a good work in this room. And I whispered it, parked in front of SRO. God, don't let golf, stay, golf sites stay here. They have a great congregation. I love most of you in a big way. Really, I love all of you in a big way. But you can't stay here. I don't mean the building. This is what we're given at the time. He's given you land. We'll have a building someday. But you can't stay here. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, right now, would you just bring healing to people who have said, I can't stay here, Jesus. You said if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us. And God, some of us will be totally set free. If we tell our spouse where we can't stay, if we tell our kids 
I can't stay in my anger. I can't stay parenting the way I'm parenting. I can't stay being the husband I am. I want to be totally transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for telling us we can be courageous enough never to blame you, but to receive you through the power of your Holy Spirit today. Bring forgiveness all over this place because we can't stay where we are. In Jesus' name.